Greetings Stationeers and welcome to this short review episode in which I'm going to be looking at the recent BBC Broadcasts box set from our very own Genesis. Now, first of all, I'm going to say I'm not going to talk too much about the actual songs. We're all Genesis fans, so we've heard these songs a million times. And probably, if like me, you've been collecting bootlegs, you've heard these exact versions of these songs. So I'm not going to really talk too much about the music itself. What I want to look at more than anything else is the package and there's just the general product. So, released on March the 3rd, 2023, BBC Broadcasts is a 5-CD or 3-LP box set of concert and session recordings by Genesis. This set's been put together by Tony Banks and producer Nick Davis from Broadcasts held, as the name would suggest, in the BBC vaults. The CD version, which is the one that I have, comes in a nicely designed box, but more about that a little later. Each CD has an individual sleeve and there is a 40-page booklet by Michael Han. So we get the majority of three gigs, some of one other, and then odds and sods of a few other broadcasts. And this is the first major release from the band in nearly 16 years, not including compilations. Although I suppose you could argue that this is a compilation, as it doesn't really include any complete shows. Interestingly, there are tracks from each lineup of the band from 1970 onwards, with the exception of the four-piece lineup from 1976 and 77. I mean, Ant Phillips and John Mayhew feature on disc one, and even Ray Wilson features on two tracks on disc four. I wonder if there just aren't any concerts from the two tours in the BBC archives. Or maybe Tony and Nick felt that Seconds Out adequately covered those years, so there was really no need to cover anything here. But anyway, that aside, what do we get in this box? Your tender battle 
CD1 features a bunch of BBC sessions that feature Peter on vocals from shows such as Night Ride, which began broadcasting on Radio 2 in 1967, and Sounds of the 70s. Sounds of the 70s was presented by a number of DJs, one of whom was John Peel, who tended to present two shows a week. And for contractual reasons, one of his shows had to be called Top Gear, which not to be confused with the car show. The format was effectively the same as Sounds of the 70s, it was just, it was renamed something else. We get a couple of the Top Gear tracks here as well. So both Top Gear and Sounds of the 70s were unusual in that they were Radio 1 shows that focused on album tracks rather than singles, and they regularly featured major artists playing live or recording special session tracks. Now, This was partly to get around something called Needle Time, which was the restriction on the BBC playing commercially available records on air. Until 1967, this was limited to only five hours a day, which meant the BBC relying on orchestral music or specially recorded cover songs. Sounds of the 70s and Top Gear used as much original material as possible to use as little of this Needle Time as possible. to disc two it features five tracks from nebworth in 1978 this was the band's only uk gig on the 78 tour and saw them playing to an audience of around 60,000 at the very first nebworth festival the festival took place on 24th of june 1978 and other acts that played the same stage were tom petty jefferson starship devo roy harper atlanta rhythm section and phil's side hustle brand x 
Billed as A Summer Night's Dream, the Genesis set was broadcast as part of Alan Freeman's Saturday Rock Show on July the 1st, 1978. We also get 10 tracks from the Lyceum show on the 6th or the 7th of May 1980, which was broadcast as part of Tommy Vance's Friday Rock show on 11th of July that year, although this is a repeat broadcast, possibly from December 1980. This includes the full Duke suite, ending the disc with a rousing Duke's end. Now, the Lyceum Theatre is located in the west end of London, with a seating capacity of about 2,100, a big step down from the Nebworth show. On the 1980 tour, Genesis deliberately played smaller venues in the UK so that they could reach people in cities that they wouldn't normally play. It was to make up for missing out Great Britain on their 1978 tour. The Lyceum was closed in 1986, but it reopened a decade later as a purely theatrical venue, which since 1999 has hosted the Lion King musical. That show's carried over onto disc three with nine further tracks, including a version of The Knife with Phil on vocals. More about that in a little bit. As well as being broadcast on the Friday Rock Show, and listeners of a certain age will get a thrill of nostalgia to hear the great Tommy Vance introduce the set, this gig was also recorded and shown as part of BBC Two show The Old Grey Whistle Test. The last two tracks on disc three are taken from the Wembley Stadium show, which was broadcast live on July the 4th, 1987. This was the final night of the Invisible Touch tour, and in my opinion, is one of the best shows the band has ever performed. It features a great mix of old and new, and the boys are clearly having a ball at the home of British footy. This is the sound of a band at the top of their game, and it's no surprise that at this point in their career they can fill a 90,000 capacity venue on their name alone. Incidentally, Wembley Stadium was the venue chosen to host Live Aid, and was used for a whole load of large sporting events. The original stadium was demolished in 2002, before its replacement was built on the same site and opened in 2007. 
The new Wembley Stadium is the largest stadium in the UK and the second largest in Europe. The Genesis gig from 1987 continues on to disc 4 and it's on this disc we get the only duplication of tracks with the drum duet and Los Endos, although the drum duet is significantly different to the one taken from Nebworth on disc 2. We lose Phil's introductions from this gig, which is a real shame as the Domino and Home by the Sea audience participation was an iconic part of the show, so much so that they showed up on the last Domino tour. The last two tracks on this disc jump ahead in time to 1998 and the Calling All Stations tour. We only get two tracks on this lineup, which is a real shame, but these are the first officially released live tracks featuring Ray Wilson, and it's a bit of a surprise to have them here. The band have seemingly tried hard to delete this era from their history. It barely got a mention in the Sum of the Parts documentary, and understandably, none of the album has been performed live since. Well, not by Genesis anyway. Ray Wilson includes some of it in his solo shows. But the two tracks here reinforce the idea that this lineup should have had a second album. They're both much better than the studio versions, although the acoustic version of Not About Us does sound a little bit dated now. The show from the NEC in Birmingham was recorded on either the 25th or the 26th of February 1998. Again, the exact date is not specified. And it was broadcast on April the 25th as part of the BBC's In Concert series. 
Now, I don't know if you know, but In Concert was a blanket programme title used throughout much of the 70s, 80s and 90s, and it would usually consist of a recording of a live show edited down to around an hour. Occasionally, when shows were repeated, they included a different track list, so it was always worth tuning in even if you'd already heard a particular show. In the case of this NEC gig, the repeat broadcast in October 1998 had a radically different track list, consisting of eight tracks rather than the original nine, and only five of which were the same in both broadcasts. Finally, Disc 5 features a return to Nebworth in 1992 for another show which was broadcast live, this time on the 2nd of August. It's part of the We Can't Dance tour which saw the band playing large arenas and stadiums all over the world. Nebworth House was built in 1490 and is a Grade 2 listed building in the south of England. The grounds have played host to a number of music festivals since 1974, including the final live performance of Queen with Freddie Mercury in 1986 and the All-Star Silver Clef Winners Show in 1990, which also featured Phil and Genesis. The 1992 show was the last night of the second leg of the tour and the second UK date. Following this, they took a two-month break uh, before resuming at the end of October for the final stretch. We get six tracks from the 15 that were played at the show, including the old medley, which was a natural evolution of the In The Cage medley from the previous tours.
So those are the shows. What about the package? So not a big fan of the actual box itself. It's a box with a lid. It's really difficult to get open and I'm really worried every time I open it to get a CD out or to look at the booklet that I'm going to damage the box itself. It's a little bit tight that lid. It, it would have been much nicer if it had been a sort of a, a an actual flip case or if it had been more in the lines of a book like some of the other recent deluxe box sets that bands have released my high watermark is always the Marillion box sets and those are in a nice little booklet style presentation case and that said though this has got a really nice book um it's it could be a bit more in depth it could have more pictures some of the pictures could be with the right concerts i know there's a couple of pictures of peter gabriel sneaking in there in in articles about the 78 nebworth concert etc um and but other than that it's nice i really really love the fact that each cd has its own individual sleeve with its own individual cover and then each cd has a different logo on it i really like that i thought that was brilliant so you may know this has been released on cd and vinyl i'm reviewing the cd version because that's what i've got the main difference between the two is that the um the number of tracks the cd has got 53 tracks altogether whilst the vinyl only has 23 so those concerts that are cut down they're even more cut down on the vinyl if you want the whole thing you're gonna have to go for bootlegs anyway but if you want more bang for your buck so to speak the CDs are much better value. Um, also, the vinyl apparently doesn't have a booklet with it. But I can't confirm that. I don't have the vinyl. So let's have a look at the song selection. So what's been released before and what's new? So all the shows that are included here have been widely available as bootlegs for quite some time. Some of them have even received some unofficial CD releases because it seems that the law around radio broadcasts, which is what these uh, these concerts are, is that the copyright actually belongs to the broadcaster. So they can license that broadcast to whoever they like as long as the artists also receive a share um, and that said some of the tracks here have also been available on official genesis releases in the past too so we we've got the three bbc night ride tracks from disc one which are shepherd passady and let us now make love um, and these were first made available on the 1998 archive box set and there's a version of stagnation that's on here was also on that 
The second archive set from 2000 featured Deep in the Motherlode, Ripples, The Lady Lies and Duke's Travels from the Lyceum show. Although, to be fair, they could be different versions as this box set doesn't actually specify whether the tracks are from the 6th or the 7th of May 1980. Whereas the, the version on the archive does specifically say I think it's the 6th. Um, also from the Lyceum, we've got one for the Vine and Follow You, Follow Me, which appeared on Three Sides Live. Um, and the Brazilian, that's also on Archive 2. But then the whole of the Wembley show has been available for quite a long time, which first available on VHS and then later on DVD. And similarly, the whole of the Lyceum show from 1980 was also released as part of the 1976 to 1982 box set as a bonus DVD. So for the Genesis Connoisseur, roughly half of this set has been available before as official releases. It's unfortunate perhaps as well that about two weeks before this release, an unofficial CD called Watcher of the Skies 1972 uh, came out, which features the complete 1972 sessions, including the DJ introductions and Peter's stories. Now, those are only obviously highlights of those sessions on disc one, um, but more on that release in a future review episode. What really interests me are the version of Watcher of the Skies that closes Disc 1 from 1975 and the two Ray Wilson tracks that close Disc 4. Both of these are taken from concerts that are of real interest to Genesis fans, I think. Um, well, <laughs> the Ray gig, possibly not so much, but they've only been given a really small amount of space. So the concert from the Wembley Empire Pool in 1975 would be a real curio um, and it could have made for a really excellent CD too, featuring, as it does, a cut-down performance from the Lamb Tour. Similarly, the NEC show in 1998 would have given a rare look at the Calling All Stations Tour, which again has never had an official live release. It would have made for a really interesting Disc 5, I think. You may not agree. If you don't, please send me an email to revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I was also really pleased to hear a version of The Knife with Phil singing finally releases an official, um, on an official album. Um, I've heard, I've heard it before. I've heard versions of this. Of the knife with Phil before uh, but for a long time in the 1990s this was my holy grail of live songs and it took me ages to find a decent recording of it um, I believe I've got one from 1976 as well So what we're getting 
are cut down versions of these concerts. And that's pretty disappointing. Um, I can understand that having, for example, the whole Nebworth 1978 concert would have created a uh, duplication of tracks. But then that would have left either the Lyceum or Nebworth 78 concert to be released on a full second box set if they hadn't included it. Similarly, the Wembley 4th of July gig is cut down and some of the missing tracks wouldn't have been duplicates. So Abacab, for example, or London Confusion, which are arguably two of the band's better known numbers. The other thing about cutting down the concerts is it means that they get spread across different discs. And, you know, could this have been done better? And having the concert split across CDs really jars. The most cohesive disc, ironically, is the first, which features tracks with just Peter on vocals, even though it isn't any complete sessions. The Lyceum and Wembley shows are split over CDs in really haphazard way. The Wembley has the first two tracks at the end of another CD, and Lyceum starts halfway through another CD. It just it isn't well thought out in terms of how people listen to CDs. If I've got a CD, I want to listen to the whole thing. I don't want it to be two different things. If you understand what I mean, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But for me, I would have completely dropped the 78 Nebworth show entirely um, and instead had the 1975 Wembley show on disc two. Then I'd have had the complete Lyceum show on discs three and four and then Wembley 87 on disc five, but cut down to miss out the drum duet and Los Endos, but end with Turn It On Again, which I believe was the medley version. Because despite that 87 gig still being cut down, it would have made a more interesting package, as most fans will already have that gig on DVD or video anyway. Um, and that would have left both Nebworth shows, which are four discs, and the NEC show for a second potential box set. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny or anything, but it's like they don't want our money. <laughs> One last thing on that topic as well. The very last track on this set is I Can't Dance. I Can't Dance! Possibly the most hated song in their catalogue, and it's chosen to end the most important Genesis release of the last 16 years. And it wasn't even the last song they played at that gig. But, I mean, if we're talking about messing around with the track listing like they have done, they could have just ended with Fading Lights instead, swapped it around. I mean, come on, Fading Lights would have been a perfect end to this box set. But, there you go.
But what's the sound quality like? It's great. It's broadcast quality, as you'd expect, although there is a little hiss in the shepherd of the first track, but that must be on the master tape because it's the same on the archive box set. So, yeah. Any seeing Nebworth 92 shows sound a little bit echoey, but the, that could well have been the venue. Um, but that said, they don't sound any better than the bootlegs I've had for many years of these shows. Um, one thing that did bug me, though, is the rapid fade-outs on some songs, usually at the end of a disc or a concert set. Um, the song barely ends before the crowd have faded down. Obviously, I don't want five minutes of crowd noise, but it is really severe and occasionally quite jarring. They also leave in some of the DJ introductions, but not all. So we get to hear the great Tommy Vance introduce the Lyceum gig, but there's no similar intro to any of the others. Andy Dunkley's intro to the musical box is intact, but then Peter's story's been excised, and I know which I'm more interested in. We worked How we work like the devil for our faith God's country like a knife With sweat in my eyes There has to be a better life I bet I can hear my children's cry I can see the tears in their eyes Memories of those So is it worth the asking price? Now that's a tricky one. Personally, I already had most of this stuff anyway on bootlegs and there's no discernible difference in quality because they are radio broadcasts. I bought it because it was pretty good value on CD, about £45, and it comes with a nice booklet and some very nicely designed CDs and sleeves. I also think it's important to buy this stuff, if you can afford it, of course, when it comes out, in order to show that there's a market for it. I mentioned already that my high watermark when it comes to album box sets is the Marillion EMI releases. They provide really good value for money with interesting extras which you may not have had access to before. Let's be honest, a really dedicated fan had almost all of these tracks already, but if they don't sell, 
then we won't get any more. And the next box might be stuff that's not so easy to get hold of. So I don't want you to think I'm a negative Nelly about this. I really do like this box set. I think it's a great release. Packaging, lid on the box aside, is fantastic. The songs within there is Genesis. It's always going to be good. And the quality is brilliant. I've got a few niggles about, like I've mentioned, the concerts being split across different CDs. A few niggles about the cherry picking tracks from different concerts to go in rather than including whole gigs. But that aside, it's fantastic. It's great value and it's really, really, really good box set. If you are on the fence about buying it, go out and buy it. If you don't, if not enough people do, we won't get any more. And like I've said, the next box set might contain something really rare that we've not heard before. Stationers, thanks for listening. Like I said, I'll be back again soon with a review of that Watcher of the Skies 1972 release. What are your thoughts on the BBC Broadcasts box set? Let me know by sending me an email to revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at Revelation Station Podcast. Or, if you'd like to, you can contribute £1 a month to the cost of running the show by heading to Patreon. Look for Revelation Station on there and you can donate a pound a month. You will get bonus episodes and all new episodes at least a week early. If you don't want to make the commitment, £1 a month for the rest of your life. It's not a marriage, but you know what I mean. You can also go to buymeacoffee.com. So it's Revelation Station on there and do a one-off donation. Thanks for listening. Join me soon for another review. Take care and enjoy listening to the BBC Broadcasts box set. See you next time. Bye.
This has been a Revelation Station production. <laughs>